0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants.
1: No doubt you are in awe of being in the presence of such a great warlord.
0: That's
2: one way of putting it.
1: Your arrival was timely indeed. I have been giving considerable thought to sharing my power with a woman of substance.
3: Power fascinates me.
1: As well it should. With my great intelligence and my sword, I am unstoppable. Cunning is the key. But the sword? Is second to my cunning. It takes more than mere brute force to be the master of so many. I realized early on that people are like children. They want to be protected. They don't want to think. I enter their kingdom and promise to rid them of all thought, all worry. I am there to keep their little lives tidy, routine. Of course, in return, they have to give up everything. At first, they don't seem to mind.
2: And when they do mind?
1: Then it is too late. By then, my army is in place. Then is the time to use my sword. The world will be at our feet. I'll toy with people's hopes, set them against each other with these silly contests, all the while wielding the most powerful weapon in the world, fear.
2: Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion. It's not right-wing. It's Just Right.
4: Fade colour,
2: colour into black and white. Under the bedclothes,
5: everything will be alright.
2: Fear is the virus. That's one of the many slogans you may find on t-shirts and other political and social swag opposing the COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions. And when it comes to this never-ending farce of a COVID-19 pandemic, fear is both the means and the end. And when the mind can no longer anchor itself to rationality or to reality, it is helpless, forced into an unreality of someone else's choosing. And if you think that all these lockdowns and restrictions still have anything to do with the virus, well, you are tuned into a world of complete unreality. And that's something we'll demonstrate for you right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated because that's what makes this show possible. Now, in response to my rant on fascist Ontario Premier Doug Ford last week, I got these two concurring comments. One from listener Andrew B., who wrote, I just listened to today's Just Right broadcast, Bob, and I just want to say, for the record, that I share your passion. This whole thing is so unconscionable, I don't even know where to begin, he writes. And this from Trevor D., He writes, Needless to say, I'm in full agreement with Bob, and I am at the same level of outrage. I'm also glad to hear that other listeners feel the same way regarding this COVID-19 tyranny. Now, I don't know if you heard the news, and you might not have heard it if you're following mainstream media, except for one major error that mainstream CTV news in Canada released in its story of November 15. And the error was made in reporting the actual facts, which have since their initial broadcast been removed from their online archive of that story. But a number of online bloggers and video providers already had copies of the broadcast, along with screen grabs of the stats that appeared on CTV's news coverage. Now listen carefully. Listen to these stats. There have been a total of 10,947 deaths attributed to COVID-19 since the beginning of the pandemic across the entire country of Canada. Of that number... 10,781 occurred in long-term homes. 10,947, 10,781. You hearing that? That means that from coast to coast, only 166 deaths attributed to COVID-19 occurred outside of long-term care homes. And even those are suspect, given the loose definitions of cases used. Also, of the 10,947 deaths, they mostly occurred in these two provinces, Quebec and Ontario, 6557 and 3329, for a total of 9886. And that means that only 895 COVID related deaths occurred outside Ontario and Quebec. And those stats are all based on all of the inflated COVID 19 diagnosis we were already told about. The question remains, did these people die because of COVID-19 or just with some strand of a coronavirus in their body that was detected by a faulty and inappropriate COVID test? Even more interesting is the total death rate from all causes in Canada, which was at a six-year low over this past year. How can you even possibly have a six-year low of total deaths in a period that's supposed to be a pandemic? Those were the numbers as reported for November 15. I checked the stats as they were presented again in the November 28th edition of, of, all things, the National Post, accompanying a two-page article of pure misleading propaganda, but even so, the official stats printed there were completely consistent with what CTV reported two weeks earlier. Now, I don't know if any specific statistics and numbers we hear about COVID-19 can be trusted from any originating source, even if it's CTV or the government. But one principle remains consistent among all of them, even the government originating sites, that basically COVID-19 was a big nothing when it comes to anything resembling a pandemic. Even as our fascist rulers continue to order lockdowns and masking, they themselves cite extremely low and irrelevant deaths and hospitalization counts while simultaneously citing high and inflated case counts which are inaccurate, meaningless, and irrelevant. I mean, if you are actually concerned with doing something about a virus, but very relevant if your intention is to create fear and terror. And that is the only motivation that objectively explains all of the police crackdowns and police state tactics that are being used on Canadian citizens who are absolutely innocent of violating anyone's life, liberty, or property. All over the province, there have been very peaceful and ongoing protests against the COVID lockdowns. Police and politicians have reacted to these protests by using violence to break them up, as was done with Adam Skelly in his Toronto barbecue protest last week. More about that shortly... But here are some stories closer to my area of Ontario. Five charged after Area Freedom Rallies reads the headline on an article by Elwood Shreve, November 27th in the London Free Press, quote, Organizers of Freedom Rallies in three southwestern Ontario communities were charged Thursday, or put on notice they will be charged, as area police deliver an anti-mask smackdown that could put a chill on future protests. The day after three women were charged for organizing a Sunday rally in London, Ilmer and Chatham-Kent police announced charges against organizers of recent rallies in their communities. St. Thomas police also said they intend to charge two organizers of a November 14 rally. During these difficult and challenging times, those jeopardizing public safety and contradicting the law will be held accountable to the courts. Chatham-Kent police chief Gary Kahn said Thursday, the law is clear and requires responsible action, end quote. The law is not clear. Let's just make that clear. But an interesting pronouncement, isn't it? Those jeopardizing public safety, that would be the police, the politicians, and anybody who's responsible for any of the lockdowns, which are among the most destructive and unsafe actions I could think of. And right now, responsible action includes protesting what is nothing more than outright fascism. And it's not an anti-mask smackdown. It's a freedom smackdown. Don't kid yourself. I'm sick and tired of the sheer contempt and revulsion that today's so-called journalists exhibit toward individual freedom. They always put the term freedom rallies in quotation marks so as to dismiss the real nature of the rallies. And they don't put a quotation mark around the term anti-mask, which is what I would be forced to do since I know that is a misrepresentation. It's not just about masks. It's about the lockdowns and the closing of small businesses while allowing the large ones to continue operating. They're protesting the laws restricting our freedom of association against fascist orders telling us how many people we're allowed to associate with and with whom we can associate, whether in your house or elsewhere. Has to be a member of your household. Only one other family member allowed. Blah, blah, blah. They're protesting the entire lockdown itself. And they're protesting the censorship of the truth behind the lockdowns. They're protesting the inevitability of forced vaccines that the Canadian government is intent upon foisting upon us. Just look at the papers every day. The only proper and applicable term to a protest that encompasses all of those stark violations of our freedom is indeed a freedom rally. They're pro-freedom, not anti-anything other than fascism. Nobody at these rallies wants to pass a law or use force to stop you from wearing a mask. Many who attend the rallies wear masks, and while that's their choice, I find it a bit disturbing. When it comes to masks, I'm both pro-choice and anti-mask. These two things are not mutually exclusive any more than being pro-freedom and pro-masks. Certainly for myself, I'm anti-mask, and I would strongly encourage others not to wear masks, especially if they're unaware of the risks and dangers that so many seem to be. And there's two main reasons I feel this way. One, they're exceedingly unhealthy, as we'll hear more about later. And two, their real purpose in this lockdown is to compel submission and obedience in preparation for a grand plan of global fascism, which everyone's calling the Great Reset. It's not a secret anymore, and it's not a conspiracy theory anymore. It's the conspiracy in which we are all caught. police charge London protest organizers reads the headline of a November 26th London Free Press article by Dan Brown. Quote, London police have charged three women who they say organized a rally to protest COVID-19 restrictions that drew about 200 people to Victoria Park on Sunday. The London women aged 36, 37, and 44 all face the same two charges under the Reopening Ontario Act, hosting an outdoor gathering exceeding provincial limits and taking part in an outdoor gathering exceeding provincial limits. (laughs) Just have to stop there for a second. Wouldn't you just know that a government law called The reopening act would be all about closing everything down. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, to continue. The women face fines ranging from $750 to $10,000. Obscene. Similar rallies have been held this fall in communities across Ontario and in southwestern Ontario, particularly to protest COVID-19 restrictions. The current cap on outdoor gatherings is 25, while indoor gatherings are capped at 10 people. Since the weekend, London police have laid charges relating to House parties early Sunday and Saturday night. The protesters object to restrictions such as mandatory masks and limits on gatherings because of what they see as government encroachment into the lives of private citizens. The largest protest so far was in Ilmer, where an estimated 2,000 people turned out November 7th, despite the town's mayor declaring a state of emergency. A rally in St. Thomas on November 14th attracted a crowd of about 200, and a protest in Woodstock on November 15th drew about 75. So far, no charges have come out of those protests. End quote. these charges and fines are so offensive and reprehensible that no socially acceptable words are possible for me to describe them. Amazingly, the writer posits that those protesting are doing so, quote, because of what they see as government encroachment into the lives of private citizens, end quote. What do you mean what they see as? Really? Isn't this self-evident? Can't anyone see that this is government encroachment into our private lives? In what possible, unthinkable interpretation can you see this as anything else? The state's telling individuals how many people they can have in their homes? How many people can congregate outdoors? Who can associate with who based on all kinds of evil notions like social bubbles and based on who's related to who and who shares a home with who, etc., 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 with the rules changing every other day practically. Make no mistake, there can be no doubt or other interpretation of what our governments are doing. They're literally encroaching on everyone's private lives and that is both their means and their goal. And when an estimated 2,000 people turned out November 7th in Aylmer, quote, despite the town's mayor declaring a state of emergency, end quote, that's totally backwards. They came out because the town's mayor declared a state of emergency. Hello? If that weren't the case, then what would they have to protest about? It's precisely because of all the state declarations against fake crises that people everywhere are protesting. These people are capable of thinking for themselves. And this is the process that politicians and the police want to stop in its tracks. Consider all the outrageous and unconscionable censorship and propaganda that accompanies all these actions. And let us never forget that not once have police or politicians treated Black Lives Matter protesters the same way, or Antifa, or protests against the Canadian statues and monuments, or anyone celebrating Joe Biden's fake election victory, or for that matter, protesters who shut down Canada's economy earlier this year when they blocked railway tracks for weeks on end. Now, the biggest Freedom Rally story of the past week was, of course, what happened in Toronto, where restaurateur Adam Skelly was arrested for opening his place of business, as just down the road, a giant department store was open and packed with choppers. And on that very topic, our following audio bite is from a November 27 report on the Toronto protest and subsequent arrest filed by David Menzies of Rebel News. The first half of his commentary occurred before Skelly was arrested and taken away the second half following the arrest. And on the return side of our bumper, Britain's Dr. Vernon Coleman, whose warnings about the dangers of wearing masks should not go unheeded.
6: Oh, legally, the uh, Reopen Ontario Act, they don't think that, th- that, these, that these emergency orders are gonna hold up in court, so we're gonna challenge that. I have my summons for, I believe it's February 9th, for violating the, uh, the Reopening Ontario Act. Uh, I've been told today, they've changed my locks here, I've been told that... So that is
4: true. In the wee hours, the city, Adam, came and changed your locks here at your restaurant?
6: Yes, they did. My key no longer works. They told me if I try to gain access into the building, into the front of the building, the restaurant space, that I'll be arrested for, uh, I don't know, something.
4: On whose authority uh, were the locks changed and these orders of you being arrested for putting new locks in? I mean, is this coming from Toronto Public Health? Yes, apparently
6: Toronto Public Health now has jurisdiction over this building. Now the back of our building, uh, we have about half the building, the front is uh, the restaurant, and in the back we have a welding shop where we're going to be building some smokers. So we have access to the back of the building, we have access to the property, uh, and at 11 o'clock today we're going to open up and see how it goes.
4: Adam, to me, this is a surreal scene. Uh, There's so many police, so many police cruisers. It's almost like it's an active shooting scene (laughs) as opposed to a restaurant just trying to cook up some brisket. I mean, this must be incredible stress for you. You're just trying to run an eatery here and serve a lot of happy, hungry customers. How are you feeling right now?
6: I'm feeling amazing. Are you kidding me? Look at everybody who came out to support. I put out a call for help today, and the people have arrived. So we're going to open today, and we're going to see what the, uh, what the people of Toronto say, whether they want to be able to eat in a restaurant or, or not. You know, Doug Ford told me that as the small business owners that our sacrifices would always be remembered. But you know what? I did not sign up to be sacrificed,
4: and this never went to a vote, and today the people of Toronto are going to be voting. Okay. Well, it's good to hear you're not a sacrificial lamb. The only lamb is going to be on the grill today, I guess. Well, folks, it is the morning after and the Great Canadian Barbecue Rebellion has been quashed. All the King's men and all the King's horses, and I speak of King Mayor John Tory, made certain of that. And as you saw, Adam Skelly was led away in handcuffs into a police cruiser. He'll be having a bail hearing at this courtroom. In the hours ahead and what Adam was charged with well um, one count of attempting to obstruct police one charge of failing to leave when directed one count of mischief and failure to comply with the reopening act and um, well Mayor Tory he's uh, he's gleeful about it he was on uh, morning uh, on breakfast television rather and this is what the mayor had to say quote he Skelly is putting people's lives at risk in terms of the spread of the virus, end quote. Really? Really, Mr. Mayor? Adamson Barbecue is the uh, uh, a super spreader for the Wuhan virus when just 400 metres down the road, there is a Costco superstore packed to the gills as usual. But little <clears throat> Adamson Barbecue, that is the problem. I find that extremely hard to believe and also it speaks also to the double standard and the hypocrisy that we see in the nation today when it comes to the rule of law. You shut down railroad tracks for weeks on end causing harm to the Canadian economy in the hundreds of millions of dollars police will just idly stand by and twiddle their thumbs. You can have a violent protest in the name of racial or social justice And law enforcement and the authorities, they just turn the other way. But a small mom-pa restaurateur tries to reopen and commits the egregious crime of trying to make a living for his family and to serve hundreds of customers. Well, Mayor Tory, you will throw the book at him. And by the way, um, Premier Ford, there's plenty of blame to go around here. And if you can just put down... That heaping spoonful of cherry cheesecake for a second and listen to me here's my question to you premier what happened to your 2018 promises of Ontario open for business what happened to the promise of for the people clearly that is not the case you mr. premier have not come as advertised So we'll see what happens, like I said, in the hours ahead, when uh, Adam Skelly has his court hearing. We will definitely cover his trial, of course. But you know what, folks? It's too bad that lying and hypocrisy and embracing a double standard is not a criminal offence in Canada, because I would argue that it would be Mayor Tory and Premier Ford on the stand here, and wow, I think I'd throw away the key. For Rebel News, I'm David the Menzoid Menzies.
5: Have you ever asked yourself why so many people are wearing masks these days? All of them are endangering the rest of us. The mask wearers are collaborators. They are enabling the fascist bastards who've created a threat and a series of alleged cures out of nothing and who are working towards a takeover of every aspect of our lives. And meanwhile, the mask wearing is doing real damage to people. A healthy 19 year old we know has suddenly developed bacterial pneumonia. She works in a shop and she wears a mask all day long. You'd have to be brain-dead not to put two and two together and realise that she's got the first because of the second. All around the world, bacterial pneumonia is on the rise. It will soon be a genuine epidemic. Except, of course, that doctors won't be allowed to blame the masks for the epidemic of pneumonia. The illnesses and the deaths will be put down as COVID-19 problems just another manifestation of the big lie that is endemic in medical practice these days. Politicians will tell us we have to wear our masks for longer out of doors and in our homes because of the bacterial pneumonia. Though have you noticed that although children have to wear masks in school for absolutely no good reason at all, British MPs don't wear them in the House of Commons? A mask worn by a child in school, was examined in a laboratory, and tests showed 82 bacterial colonies and four mould colonies growing on the mask. All that rubbish gets breathed into the lungs. Dr James Mearn has pointed out that he's seeing patients with facial rashes, fungal infections and bacterial infections. He also says that reports coming from colleagues all over the world are suggesting that bacterial pneumonias are on the rise. Even children who wear masks are falling ill with bacterial pneumonia and some of them may die. Another brave medical professional who's spoken out about masks is chiropractor Dr. Eric Nipute, who's based in St. Louis in America, who's made a short video after a four-year-old almost died from a bacterial lung infection caused by prolonged mask use. And of course, two boys in China died as a result of wearing masks. And a brave German doctor, Dr Bodo Schiffman, reported in an emotional video that three children had died in Germany as a result of wearing masks. And here's something else you should know. Researchers from the National Institutes of Health have concluded recently that the majority of deaths during the flu epidemic of 1918-1919 weren't caused by the virus alone, but by bacterial pneumonia. The authors, writing in the Journal of Infectious Diseases, concluded that viral damage followed by bacterial pneumonia led to the vast majority of deaths. Close One of the authors of that paper was Dr. Anthony S. Fauci, of whom you may have heard. Bacterial pneumonia can, of course, usually be treated with antibiotics. But doctors in Britain and probably elsewhere, on advice from the government, allegedly refused to treat elderly patients suspected of having COVID-19, so those patients wouldn't have received the antibiotics that might have saved them. The mainstream media won't mention any of this, of course. Journalists and broadcasters working for mainstream media are a disgrace and should be ashamed of their ignorance and cowardice. Journalists are in the business of promoting lies and suppressing truths these days. Why do they want people to wear something they know will do more harm than good? Well, since you can't answer, I'll answer for you. Could it possibly be to make them ill in order to push up the alleged number of COVID-19 deaths and to reduce the population? Would they do such evil things? And could it be because they know that the mask wearers endanger all of us in a number of ways, both physical and psychological, and are providing support for totalitarian governments around the world?
2: Do you think? (laughs) By the way, bravo to the rebel media and to David Menzies for their great coverage of so many of these protests. And bravo to David for suggesting that he would throw away the prison key when it came to Toronto Mayor John Tory and Ontario Premier Doug Ford. I'm with him 100%. And I have to say, I was particularly impressed when Adam Scully said, quote, Doug Ford told me that as small business owners, our sacrifices will always be remembered. But you know what? I didn't sign up to be sacrificed. End quote. Absolutely true. This is a perfect living example of altruism in action. The altruists are Ford and Tory. The victim of their altruism is not just Adam Skelly, but the rest of us as well. As to Dr. Vernon Coleman speaking from Britain, one thing he reminds us of here in Canada is that the fascism we all may be experiencing in our part of the world is going on everywhere, particularly in the Anglosphere countries, including the Western nations of Europe. I mean, down to the most detailed of minutiae, including the silliest of all possible rules and restrictions that you couldn't make up in a kindergarten class, we're finding them exactly the same in Ireland and Britain, in France, in Canada, in the United States. This is obviously being scripted from abroad. But I wanted to make sure to get in some very serious issues regarding the actual wearing of masks themselves. Politically, masks have always been an instrument of submission. But medically and health-wise, wearing masks the way we're being ordered to is incredibly unhealthy and dangerous. Whenever I see anybody out and about wearing a mask, I regard them as a threat to my health because I simply cannot separate my own understanding of that cloud of bacteria and molds and viruses, including potentially the SARS-CoV-2 virus, that is surrounding their heads because of the mask. I've seen too many of those videos showing how useless masks are for blocking even giant smoke and vapor particles, let alone, you know, microscopic viral particles. And worse, viral particles whose threat to our health is so minuscule as to defy any need for concern. A number of our listeners have sent me a link to the prestigious Annals of Internal Medicine, which in highly controlled tests demonstrated the futility of masks regarding any prevention of viral spread in the community. And then there was... Dr. Dolores Cahill. Remember her? She's a molecular biologist and immunologist specializing in early diagnosis of disease, research integrity, and looking at the impacts of government policy in science, innovation, education, and on public health. She is also the leader of the Freedom Party of Ireland, and she spoke at a Freedom Party rally last week in Dublin, where she suggested suing people who force you to wear masks. She cited research that wearing masks for a period of two hours or more immediately causes measurable brain damage, which cannot be undone, especially in the case of children whose brains are not yet fully formed. Another person who understands the dangers of wearing masks is investigative reporter and, and quote unquote Calgary mayor elect Kevin Johnson. Like Dr. Coleman, He's written a whole book against masking, but that was not the topic of his conversation with Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson, as heard on her November 27th YouTube show, from which our upcoming audio bite is taken. But first, here's an alarming sidebar about Kevin Johnson. On November 3rd, he also appeared on Laura Lynn's show, and on that same episode, our own Robert Vaughn was her first of two guests interviewed. But she never posted that episode to her YouTube channel, fearing that the presence of Kevin Johnson would get that episode kicked off YouTube. So that episode was only posted to her Facebook page. And by the way, you can still find her interview with Robert on our own homepage and on our Facebook page. So I was quite surprised to see that she posted this later November 27th show to YouTube since it featured Kevin Johnson for the bulk of the show, an episode that I highly recommend, by the way, you watch from end to end. Well, sure enough, between the time I recorded our own audio bite from her YouTube channel, and now, in fact, by Monday morning, her entire YouTube channel had been removed. However, you can still catch her videos on her own site at www.lauralyn.tv. So again, here's a very brief snippet of her interview with investigative reporter Kevin Johnson as originally heard on Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson's November 27 YouTube show before it was removed, speaking to the much bigger issues behind all of the COVID hysteria.
0: We're in the battle of our lives. And and I guess it's worldwide, you know, uh, connecting that with the U.S. election going on right now. It it does appear that the CIA, FBI, uh, the left, um, MSM, big tech have collaborated in a literal coup going on in the United States of America right now.
7: That's exactly what's happened. 100%. I mean, you you remember I told you all about me going to Myanmar to disprove the existence of the Rohingya people, which we did. The United Nations, it's well known there that the United Nations is making a big land grab worldwide, because not only do they want land, but they want power. They want political power. And the best way to do it is to use violence. Violence was used against the Myanmarian citizens. Violence has now been used against North Americans and Germans and the Brits, in the way of Antifa, the Communist League, and Black Lives Matter. They are well-funded. They are well-organized. When you have that much money being dumped into a worldwide coup, it's not just North America. This is a worldwide phenomenon. At some point, that violence is going to start to work because violence is the one great arbiter available to every single human being out there. And it's being used against us specifically and only for political gain. Think about that, everybody. Now, I'm really hoping I'm really hoping that Trump can pull this thing off and be inaugurated on January 21st. If he does, there will the left is going to go right back to what they're doing on switch. They're going to go right back to being violent criminals. And and Trump is going to have to make a decision as to whether or not he implements the Sedition Act, uh, which is something that he should have done already and and quell this stuff within six months. What's that but,
0: called, Kevin? What is it?
7: The, the Sedition Act, the American Sedition Act, it is an executive order that's available to the American president to start imprisoning um, anybody that he feels that the that the, uh, the the party in power feels is responsible for the destruction of the United States from within, which is the Democratic Party of America. I might add, it is Barack Obama and his husband Michael. It's all of these people that are deliberately destroying the USA, and they do have Twitter and Facebook and Google backing them up. So. Thank God for Parle- uh, Parler, parlay, as they say it, Gab and Brideon, Brideon.social, uh, Bitchute, DLive, Mob Crush, Twitch. I'm so happy these platforms exist because we need them. And I'm glad that you're on them, Laura. So please, everyone follow Laura on Bitchute. It's an amazing site. The man who uh, created that is Ray Vahi. He's out in Manchester, England, and he is a big believer in free speech. Bitchute, he rescued me. When, when all of my YouTube channels were, were shut down, he pulled all the videos that I had at the time was about a thousand of them, rescued them with the thumbnails, the videos themselves, and all the text. An amazing man. So support him too, please. So what, uh, what, we are, uh, what we have is we are completely and totally under attack. We are already in a civil war now, whether people want to think about that or not. It's a civil war of ideas and ideologies. And believe me, the left and the right are clashing in every way imaginable. I wish the right would come out and fight for their rights as much as the left are fighting to take away everyone's rights. I really wish that was the case.
0: Absolutely. I think what's
7: gonna happen here is a lot of Canadians are gonna have to lose their businesses, lose their homes and have their families divided before they're finally gonna take up arms and fight for what's theirs. I hope you do it sooner. Please, Canada, I beg you.
1: ones who can stop us are those enemies among us. Those who are weak and faithless, those who do not believe, those who attack me out of fear and jealousy. These are our enemies. Every moment you tolerate their presence among us is a moment lost for you and your children. And your children's children!
0: I know of one.
1: Leila, no.
0: My husband. He speaks against you in the dead of night. Lying beside me. He says you are the one that makes us work for the governor. He says you sell us and keep the money. He's afraid of the future. Afraid of dying for the cause. Afraid not for everyone else. For himself.
2: You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. See, the snitches among us have been around since time immemorial, including Toronto Mayor John Tory and Ontario Premier Doug Ford, who preached that we should fear for others, not for ourselves. You know, I've yet to hear any state, government, or bureaucratic official make a single rational argument for lockdowns or wearing face masks, or for social distancing and all of the silly indoor-outdoor number limits on association. Every justification and argument in their camp boils down to altruism, virtue signaling, authoritarianism, censorship, the use of force, 24-7 propaganda. Like this full-page ad in the November 26th edition of the London Free Press, paid for by the government of Canada, meaning that we as taxpayers have to pay to be treated like cattle. The COVID-19 pandemic in Canada is serious, reads the ad's headline, which occupies half the page. Can't say I've ever heard of any pandemics that require day-in, day-out repetitive messages to convince us that the crisis even exists. It's a question that many have been asking. If you were never exposed to any of the media hype about COVID-19, would we even know about it? Of course not, because that crisis doesn't even exist. Otherwise, we would be witnessing it all for ourselves firsthand. Hence, the necessity of mask mandates. Not a health necessity, but a fascist control necessity. The masks are the only visible evidence that any COVID-19 crisis even exists. And that's why they're clamping down so hard on those who have discovered a truth that must be suppressed. All censorship, remember, is, is suppression of the truth. Being forced to wear a mask is like being forced to put a political election sign on your face for a candidate or government you despise, and that's exactly what it is. The mask wearer is being forced to support and promote a false narrative and is even willingly killing himself in the process. The bizarre and sinister nature of the lockdowns, social distancing rules, and masking mandates belie any serious consideration of health concerns. Perversion is the only way I can describe some of the rules, and the people who concoct them, you know, they're social perverts. Like the premier of Manitoba, his name's Brian Pallister. And just as I labeled fascist Ford as being Ontario's premier COVID case, I hereby confer the same dishonor to fascist Pallister, Manitoba's premier COVID case. His government has passed laws making it illegal to buy non-essential goods, even if they're sitting on the shelves of retail stores already under severe lockdown controls. I mean, this is a true horror story. Just check out the Rebel Media's Kean Bexty's YouTube piece on The Premier Who Stole Christmas. For trying to buy a Christmas card in a Walmart store, he was confronted by store staff preventing him from doing so, and by police who were in plentiful supply when it came to bullying and threatening shoppers. For shopping. The irrationality of the restrictions, the very idea that not being allowed to buy a Christmas card or a toy or even clothing can somehow slow a viral spread, when buying other things doesn't, tells me that the people who are coming up with these ideas are truly, truly evil to the core. Sociopaths, one and all. And they should all be tried and jailed for the rest of their lives. The damage they've already done cannot possibly be compensated by any other kind of punishment. Free citizens enact governments precisely to prevent such restrictions from ever taking place. And as I've demonstrated repeatedly, Every official statement being made is all about virtue signaling and altruism. The cult of sacrifice. Altruism and fear, they go hand in hand. And of course, it's amazing how previous authorities cited to justify the shutdowns, like the World Health Organization, are completely ignored whenever someone from the WHO advises something that doesn't fit the current political agenda.
5: I want to say it again. Uh, We in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year we may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition because children are not getting meals at school and their parents in poor families are not able to afford it this is a terrible ghastly global uh, catastrophe actually and so we really do appeal to all world leaders stop using lockdown as your primary control method develop better systems for doing it, work together and learn from each other. Mm. But remember, lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever uh, belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer.
2: It's stunning how no one in the mainstream media or in authority ever asks the likes of Trudeau, Ford or Pallister to explain why they're taking the actions that are exactly the opposite of what we just heard from Randy Doan of the World Health Organization. And once again, our politicians and healthcare bureaucrats just continue to lie to us about hospitals filling up and shortages of services, all blamed on COVID-19. And again, thanks to Rebel News, they've shown that this is simply not the case. Pardon a COVID pun. I should point out that in this regard, I still have over the past weeks and months... Been getting regular updates from Anon, my anonymous inside contact on the front lines of the emergency department and ICU in a large Ontario hospital. And here's a bit of the latest update I got this week. Quote, I speak anecdotally, so take it for what it's worth, but I don't see a hospital crisis where I work. I'm hearing stories in the media and some word of mouth chatter, but I have a perspective that is worth considering. The hospital crisis is a creation of pandemic response measures rather than due to any acute surge in volume and acuity. There is no doubt a surge of sick people as we hit winter, but hospitals are like the climate. They're always changing. My suspicions seem validated when I saw a couple of Toronto infectious disease and public health people talking on CBC TV. They were asked about the hospital crisis, and they said that there's a staffing crisis. Consider the low threshold for outbreak all it takes is a couple of nurses at one hospital to test positive for COVID by PCR and be home with the sniffles for two weeks, and you are immediately short of nurses, and the facility is in an outbreak. Many nurses work multiple part-time jobs at different hospitals, so now all the nurses at the outbreak facility cannot work between sites. We are down downstaffed because of this. Add to the mix, any nurse with a kid in school who tests positive, or even a kid in the class tests positive and has to stay home. Then some nurses can't work due to that. And you have a manufactured staffing crisis. Does this make sense? End quote. Well, not if you're trying to administer any kind of health care or sickness care, but it makes a lot of sense if what you're trying to do is create anxiety and panic to induce blind obedience in a growingly resistant public. Of course, from a health perspective, none of it makes sense. How can it? When I consider the staggering waste of time and money with all of the plastic barriers that businesses have had to put up, the stupid cordoning off of aisles and sections in stores, the man-hours spent drafting rules and regulations that could only be conceived of by a psycho in a locked-up ward of sociopaths, the inconvenience and disruption of all movement and motion, it is difficult to place a proper value or measurement on the degree of the loss. I mean, the word incalculable comes to mind. Got this one from a new listener, from DeShannon G., who wrote, and I quote Just found your podcast and am quasi binging. Would love to hear one about Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum and his great reset. I mean, when has a power hungry German talking about world domination ever gone wrong before, right? <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing, we need all the reality we can get, end quote. Well, thank you for that. We have indeed touched on this issue from time to time, and there's no question that the Great Reset, a euphemism for global fascism, is the political spark behind all of the COVID fascism. Klaus Schwab is promoting an anti-concept that he calls stakeholder capitalism, which has nothing in common with anything remotely related to capitalism. Capitalism is all about free trade and free markets, Capitalism is a moral system, not an economic one. Stakeholder capitalism is all about controlled trade and controlled markets, which is exactly what we see in the way small business people and entrepreneurs are being targeted while the giants continue with state support and enforcement. That is stakeholder capitalism. The real word for that is fascism. Of course, that's what it's all about. Notice how evil people always attach their evil and contemptible ideas to virtuous ideas and concepts like capitalism itself. Crony capitalism was always an oxymoronic term, no different than saying, you know, that black-white car or that square circle. No doubt we'll be talking more about Mr. Schwab and the so-called Davos crowd again. But first, here's more from Laura Lynn and Kevin Johnson. And I must say, her opening comments here reflect exactly what I've been hearing from so many of you so often.
0: I just, uh, I sometimes find myself without words, and feeling you know anxiety and angry about what's going on and personally i have not had a fear of the virus i i have a shirt that says fear is the virus and i don't have right. it right but i do have a really righteous anger and a righteous rage at what is going on and the shutdown um, of our society because of what you're talking about and and you can't trust these tests and all of this is going on and this is all factual and then we have the shutdown of worship centers we which are actually very helpful to people that are going through you know exorbitant stress we shut that down but we want to keep the fear going and so we have an extremely idiotic play on society right now and so uh, I think you're highlighting that well and I I just appreciate it Kevin um, anything that you'd like to, to add as we close
7: Yes. Fear. I wanna actually I want to talk about fear. As a species, in in our infancy, we were attacked by saber toothed tigers and and woolly rhinoceroses and, and crazy animals out there. We there were serpents out there that were bigger than your house. I get that. Fear got us to where we are today then in later times when we first were trying to build civilizations we always had those who wanted to build and then we had those who wanted to steal so there were always at some point going to be barbarians at the gate we built walls around our cities turned them into city-states and protected ourselves and lived better we don't have saber-toothed tigers attacking us anymore in fact we're at the point in our society where bears are afraid of us you know the predators that we have in north america they, they either come by and sniff and walk away, or they see large groups of us, the human beings, and they split. They're gone. We don't have to fear these things. What are you all afraid of? I, I've come across grown men my age, I'm 49, who start breaking down and crying when a collection agent calls them up saying, we're going to take your house and we're going to take your car. Where, where's this fear coming from? In our modern world, you need not be afraid anymore. You need to be cautious and you need to be respectful of the environment with which you live otherwise you'll bring danger upon yourself but you don't have to be afraid of things there's you can pick up the phone and press 911 and people that you do not know and who owe you nothing show up at your front door and save your life what are you afraid of this is a proverb that i wrote when you make a decision based on fear it's 100 wrong 100 percent of the time it's time for you to realize that you're adults now you're big boys and girls you do not have the luxury of giving in to fear by law officers are going to threaten you you simply tell them i do not wish to contract with you and you walk away and if they touch you in any way now you can sue them and sue the city that they work for and make some money you might get a ten thousand dollar check you make sure that they are afraid i can tell you this i've made sure that government officials are afraid of me and what i represent Whenever bylaw officers came to my property to give me a difficult time to tell me how to live in my own house, I would take legal documents to their homes. I'd research who they were, take legal documents to their homes and serve them after midnight. You should see the look of fear on the face of a bylaw officer when you go to their home and you pull the same garbage on them that they pull on you. You want to see fear? You go to a bylaw officer's home, and then you'll see real fear. And they'll ask questions like, how did you find me? Why are you here? You can't do this. Well, I found you the same way you found me, and I can do this, and I am doing this. You've got the same rights that I have. You can do this to your local politicians and your local bylaw officers. You can serve them legal documents. It costs $25 at most law firms to notarize a letter. You can simply write a letter to your local politician or your local bylaw office saying, you are officially banned from speaking to me, and you are officially banned from my property and go serve them at their homes, fight back. Don't be afraid of our modern society, all right? Even in jail, which sucks, you're still getting three meals a day plus your snacks, all right? You can still survive everything this country is going to throw at you. So stop being afraid of it and start making them afraid.
0: Oh, Kevin, there's a reason I just love you. Thank you so much. Thank you you for your courage and your fun.
3: Hi, would you like to know how to be more obedient? (laughs) Of course you would. It helps get rid of things like freedom, self-expression, and happiness. But being strictly obedient not only means you're contributing to a better world, it also gives you a life you'll enjoy living. So pay close attention so you can learn how to be more obedient. Think that the people controlling you are protecting you. You need to think that the people controlling you are doing so for your own good. That way you'll allow them to continue having power over you. It's the way any perpetrator wants their abuse victim to think. Wait for permission. You know inspiring people are just losers who tell you to live your life boldly and not wait for anybody to give you permission to take action and follow your heart. Instead, it's best to hide inside waiting for someone else to give you permission for when you can go outside see your family, or exercise. Live in fear. You can't be obedient unless you're first constantly in fear, so be sure to pay very close attention to words and headlines that are designed to make you scared. Words like COVID cases and headlines constantly reminding you how many people could die rather than how many have died will help you. Believe censorship is protecting you. Instead of knowing you're an intelligent adult who can think for yourself, Understand, you need the supreme leaders of Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey to tell you what's true and hide everything else from you. To protect you from your own thoughts. (laughs) It's not condescension. It's protection. Believe what the media tells you. As you watch propaganda constantly being fed to you by the media, just believe that the propaganda they're feeding you is true. (laughs) Because it's in English, not Chinese so you can trust it. Treat safety as your life's purpose. Instead of being brave, just live in denial that death is part of reality as you enjoy your passionate pursuit of safety. But just know you can eventually come out of the coffin of your comfort zone once there's no more death in the world, because then it'll be safe. Outsource your truth. Don't trust your perspective. It's not shaped by anybody but you. So it's probably just misinformation. Instead, for example, when you see that the overall death rate during this year of the deadly pandemic is a little bit less than the overall death toll of 2018, keep trusting the untrustworthy people who tell you it's deadlier than the factual numbers you're seeing on the CDC website. You're being gaslit. Bonus obedience! With your health and well-being, blindly trust computer programmers who have been found guilty in federal antitrust lawsuits. Never question corrupt authorities. When you see a supreme leader like Gavin Newsom sitting inside a restaurant in close proximity with 12 unmasked people, just know he didn't want you to find out. So it doesn't count. But keep doing what he tells you to do, even though it's obvious he doesn't think it's necessary to do what he's telling you to do, after all. He didn't get elected to a position of power to not have power over people. Don't think for yourself. When people around you are afraid of something that your heart and own critical thinking tell you you don't need to be afraid of, betray yourself and be afraid like everyone else. Instead of being a leader, you'll feel like you fit in by being a sheep and sheep are some of the most inspiringly obedient animals in existence. As you suffocate your freedoms with the joy of obedience, you'll never have to wonder what it's like in North Korea, because you'll be living it. Enjoy being obedient.
2: Of course the tragedy is that millions do indeed enjoy being obedient. You know, I'm reminded of our show opener today taken from, of all things, an episode of The Adventures of Sinbad, in which a tyrant ruling an island community explains the nature of his power over others. And whoever the writer of that particular episode was, he sure hit the nail on the head with this one, which is why I think this bears repeating. Quote, It takes more than mere brute force to be the master of so many. I realized early on that people are like children. They want to be protected. They don't want to think. I enter their kingdom and I promise to rid them of all thought, all worry. I am there to keep their little lives tidy and routine. And of course, in return, they have to give up everything. At first they don't seem to mind. And when they do mind, then it's too late. By then my army is in place. Then is the time to use my sword. I'll toy with people's hopes, set them against each other with these silly contests, all the while wielding the most powerful weapon in the world, fear. End quote. Now isn't that exactly the same philosophy and tactic that's being used against us today? The majority doesn't seem to mind that they've given up everything, that they've been forced to wear masks in the absence of any objective need to do so, and once everyone's been conditioned to obediently wearing disgusting and disease-creating masks, then is the time to use my sword. By then my army will be in place. Yes. Did you know... That our governments, in conjunction with the military, have been planning a vaccine rollout to force us to comply to a vaccination plan? This has been in the works for a year, or more. Don't be fooled by any assurances that the vaccines will be voluntary. The same people who are telling us that one have been lying to us about everything COVID-related since the very beginning of this political reset. Whatever the vaccine's for, I'll tell you right now, it's not for COVID-19. I'll toy with people's hopes, set them against each other with these silly contests, all the while wielding the most powerful weapon, fear. Well, this is almost the written agenda for the COVID-19 fear-mongering. Forcing us into artificial conflicts over wearing masks, toying with people's hopes by opening and closing businesses at whim, constantly changing rules, and all the while putting all political energy into creating a climate of fear. And sad to say... Our politicians have long ceased to be our democratic representatives, given that the laws and edicts they've been passing are not anything representative of the individual rights and freedoms that we as citizens have. Rights that are inalienable, both by definition and by application. Since I, as an individual, have no power to force any other individual around me to shut their business or stay locked up at home and wear masks for my safety or for my fear of a virus, whether it's imaginary or real, then it naturally follows that anyone claiming to represent me also can have no such powers or authority. Otherwise, we are not living in anything that can be called a free democracy. There's no freedom. There's no democracy. Even if some imagined majority wanted to vote to shut everything down, that would not be within anyone's purview or jurisdiction. And above all, in a democracy, majorities are never permitted to persecute or control minorities. This is just so basic, it has to be understood that the people who are causing the whole COVID crisis don't want basic. They want the new normal. They don't want normal. That's because they're abnormal themselves. Authoritarians are not normal people. They are maladjusted. They're sociopathic. Like fake news, democracy apparently is fake politics. Always question authority before authority questions you. And bear in mind that the authority you may be forced to question could be your next door neighbor who presumes to have some right of authority to force you to comply with his wishes. Why aren't you wearing that mask? To that authoritarian, you can just say no and tell him if he's so intent on controlling somebody, he should begin with himself. And if you do need to be afraid of something, remember that whenever a politician or authoritarian tells you that we're all in this together, you can be pretty sure that we're all in this for that person's specific and separate interests. And as for me, and for those of you listening now, we can freely choose to be in all of this together by getting together again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color
1: into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright please help yourself to the odeur. Come on, I'll be Quiet, cockroach.
2: You mean it here, commandant?
0: Why,
1: of course. Class distinction between officers and enlisted men is old-fashioned. We're all in this together, comrades at arms, fighting for the fatherland. Do you feel anything cutting your gums, sir? Eh? Any nausea? Mm-hmm. Dizziness? Mm-hmm. A double vision? Mm-hmm. How many fingers do I have?